CJ, thanks for coming back, man. I appreciate you. Luke Barrett. Man, so good to have you. Good to be here again. Get a little fuzzy here. We were just talking about how like the nine day difference from last year when we did this about the same time of year. It was like two degrees and man, I was frozen by the time we were done that. My feet took a while to fell out. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to show any weakness in front of you. But well, listen, the conversation was so hot and electric, man. I was like comfy in a warm blanket the entire time. What can I say? I was gonna ask you, you were in like a just a thin sweatshirt. <laughs> I was like bundled up over here just like trying to stay focused. Well, I got a little more, you know, I got a little blubber over here, right? I got yeah. a little more mass than you got. I was going to say you got a bigger ab. Is yeah, we we'll have more abs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming down to do this, man, and especially if it's kind of late notice again. So, Well, listen, that. I mean, anything I can do to get the word out on some fantastic fundraisers yeah. coming to the Missoula area and up in Kalispell, oh, really? I'm all about it. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. We'll do a big rundown of all of them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess just just from what I know off the top of my head, we got the Fortress Ball coming this weekend. Yep. Second and third of February. Yep. And then uh, Fire and Ice February tenth. Yep. And then, are you emceeing that? I am. Awesome. Yep. yep. That'd be great, man. My my wife was just dying last year. She's loving it, man. Because you were like, I like, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but I'm pretty sure I just took myself out in the middle of the ice without anyone being around me. And then I heard you coming over the loudspeaker, and I was like, oh god. And then like at the end of the game, I scored. And I was like, I'm I'm back. You know, I don't know much about hockey, and I got I've I've cured that this year. Like I, every time somebody scores or there's a penalty, I have to ask everybody what's going on. I I yell a rogue, Swenson. Yeah. What happened? You know, I don't know if you know what happened. And even when he tells me what happened, I still don't know what's going on. Oh, really? So I just shout. Oh, you had, I you just had, start shouting out. You had me and everyone else fooled, man. I thought you knew Hockey Bear name went in there. No, no. And I tell you, it, it's come a long way, as you well know. Yeah. I mean, the first fire and ice I went to, let's say that was probably, remember. Oh, man, six, seven years ago maybe. The first one I went to where the Wildlanders were featured because it used to be just Missoula City and Missoula Rural. Yeah. And the first time the Wildlanders played, it was the JV game, right? It was the oh, first. Really? It was kind of the, you know, it was, let's just say it was not good hockey from the Wildlanders' point of view. This yeah. got racked. 7-1, 8-1. And now fast forward to last year, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, the Wildlanders are skating circles clean, around those guys. Yeah, clean sweep last year. Oh, clean JV sweep. Lots of big goals. Man. Athletic goals. That what far. can I say, man? It's just gone completely 180. Because yeah. those guys, Missoula Fire Department, I know that they hire hockey players. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get to be a battalion chief unless you play hockey. Yeah. Right. And the fix is in. Yeah. Part of the interview. You know. Uh, yeah. You look pretty good, but <laughs> what sports do you play? <laughs> now, that, there's a funny story about that fundraiser. I don't know if I told this story the last time, but there was a shotgun. Did I tell you this story? Oh, yeah, I mean, maybe. So there's a, it, it's a great story. So Randy Ocon was the organizer, yeah. great guy. He and his career and mine kind of paralleled each other. And I shoot trap with my wife, and we shoot in what's called the uh, New Shooters League at Missoula Trap and Skeet. Oh. In order to do that, you got to have a new shooter every league. you got to oh. have somebody new, bring them to the club, right? And so it brings new people into the club, and I don't have to compete against all the the veterans who, if they miss, you know, one one clay in ten weeks, they lose. Oh, These guys, no, they don't miss. You know, they don't miss out yeah. there. So most new shooters don't have a they don't have a gun. They don't have a shotgun to use. Yeah. So I walk into the fire on ice, and they got a they got a nice silent auction upstairs. And so I've only got a few minutes to look around because I got to go MC. And on the table, 
There's this Browning knife shotgun package. It's perfect. Uh, hey. This is perfect. I'm going to be able to get a shotgun tonight. I'm going to contribute to a good cause. It's a win-win. Yeah. Right? So I tell my wife, I said, hey, that's probably at Browning, probably an $800 shotgun. Let's go 1200 1500 max, but let's let's do it. Yeah. You know, so... I even get uh, Chad Pickering's kids running up and down the stairs, coming to me saying, "It's four hundred, go five. Yeah, it's eight, go nine. It's a thousand, go twelve. Right. So at the end of the night, I've had a lot of Big Sky brews because Big Sky is very generous. Big Sky Brewing is extremely generous during that. Yeah, twenty dollars all you can drink uh, down there. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's amazing. So I've had a few, and I'm walking up the stairs. Because someone told me I won the shotgun. And as I'm going up, everybody, people I don't even know, are like thanking me. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so generous. <laughs> like, of course, you know, yeah. Yeah. Of course, happy to help, you know. Mm-hmm. I get up there and I write a substantial check for that. Not only that, but my wife likes to do, go do some shopping as well. And yeah. So I write a big check. And I figure probably about 1500 for the shotgun. And so the next morning we're recovering as we do. Yeah. And I said, Hey, hand me that shotgun, you know? And my wife's overlooking at it. She's got it torn apart. We're going to clean it. And she lets the stock on it drop and it hits the ground in our, in our loading room on the concrete. And it, it doesn't sound like wood hit the floor. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, Hey, Browning wouldn't make, that'd be a wooden stock, right? It'd be a yeah. wooden. And it's not. Mm. And I hold it and it's plastic. And I look at it and it says on the side where it's engraved, it says, uh, what does it say? Khan. K-A-H-N. Khan. I'm like, I wonder if Khan's the guy that owned this. (laughs) I said, look up Khan Shotgun. She goes to Google. She looks it up. And the first thing thing says, don't put this shotgun up to your cheek and pull the trigger. (laughs) Oh, no. Like the reviews or what? It's just, it's meant to be on the... You know, up on the mantle. Yeah. This is a this is a $150 retail shotgun. It's not even not even close to being a Browning. Oh. So I call Randy Ocon. Yeah. Who this is probably 8:30 in the morning. He's been up just as late as I have. He picks it up on the first ring and he's laughing. He knows. He knows. Yeah, he knows waiting, what's about to happen. He's waiting for you. And he said, "No, it's a Browning knife and a shotgun package." And we forgot to pick up the Browning knife. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my that's my experience. That's what generosity will get you down there. But you know those guys they raise at the fire on ice. It's February tenth this year, Saturday, February tenth. People get down there about five o'clock or so, down at at Glacier Ice Rink, down at the fairgrounds in Missoula. If you're a wildland firefighter, you're support of one of those guys, or if you're a Missoula City firefighter. You want to support their benevolent association. You got to get down there. It's a fun night. The the the, the stands will be packed yeah. to the gills. Oh yeah, they're gonna have all the tall boys you can have, all you can drink. Live auction or excuse me, the silent auction, the JV game, the Wildland uh, Urban Interface Off. That's that's what I'm in. Right, yeah. and you're playing as well. Yep. So what's your position gonna be? What are you gonna be doing? Uh, center. Is you're a center. Playing. So yeah. what is your what's? See, I don't even know this. What do you do? What's uh, your job? So I take the face offs. Well, and you know, 
do what I can. I'm usually in there just losing face-offs, but I try. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> skate back and forth. You kind of get to play a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense as a center, so you, you kind of get the most ice time. And that's why I started playing in the first place, is just try a little better workout and get more skating time, you know? And so everybody that gets, if you get fouled, yeah. right, or it's a penalty, it, they all result, with the exception of, like, offsides, right, which is not a penalty. But the offsides you get, you get a shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the penalty, yeah, any kind of penalty, minor or whatever, it, yeah, it results in a penalty shot. And I always forget about that. I'm glad you reminded me. And so that makes it really exciting. It so, does. Yeah, anything like a slash, whatever. You know, you're going for a shot, which is so cool. Yeah. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be ten eight, eight six. Yeah. It's end to end action oh, all so the time. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Yeah, it is great. And then having UMC it, you know, because you know, we play like beer leagues, so I'm not used to having someone like announce. So it even brings up the energy even more. Can you hear us on? Can you hear me on the on the ice? Oh yeah, yeah, I can hear you pretty good. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of like like when like when I wiped out, I probably because I was like more <laughs> sensitive at that point in my in my life. So like when I wiped out, I, I heard your clear clear as day. <laughs> but it was well, great. I'm glad you said that because I got to reach out to the two team captains is rogue going to be the yeah, team captain yeah, again hey there, yeah. shout out to rogue swenson yeah thank you rogue i mean you talk about a guy that took that took that game by the that by the horns yeah and totally turned it around i mean it's a dominant performance yeah. every year by the wildlanders it's a lot you know it's a lot of work for him too you know like last year he's getting a little, you know like he was getting a little irritable only because you know it's just like he does the news things, and I meant to bring him on here. I still got some time. I might reach out to him and see if he wants to come on here. And then, you know, just wrangling cats, too, you know. Everyone's, like, in, the, in their off season, so he's like, hey, you know, what's your bio, you know? Like, you know, and then what's your I need the donation? bio, man. I need yeah. your bio. Yeah, exactly. And a couple funny stories, right? That's yeah. what I need. Otherwise, yeah. I'll make them up, which I don't mind doing. Which is great. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's, like, part of my wife's favorite part is, like, <laughs> the stories. <laughs> And then when the cool thing is you 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 know ribbing both sides, man, it's uh, such such an awesome event. I take equal license with everybody on the ice. You put yourself out there for a fun event like that. I think the crowd enjoys it, right? Yeah. I think the I'm glad the players. I'm glad you guys can hear me. I never know if people can hear me when they're out there, so that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. So February 10th on that one, coming up this weekend. Oh, what is that? The third. A second is second Friday. and third. Yeah, and third. The Foresters Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Shout out to Jaden Stansbury, right? The Chief Push. Yeah, Chief Push, Jaden. Yeah. yeah. And Legacy, Jaden, right? I think so. I'm trying yeah. to – she's – yeah, man. Which my my memory works better, but I'm pretty sure that she's, like, second, you know, round in her family, at least in, in the wildland, but I think in the in the forestry. These things always run in the family, right? Yeah, true. You know, I was the I was the son of a 40-year Forest Service employee, Mike Johnson, who was an engineer. Really? You know, oh, yeah, and the Forest Service was – and still is. It, it's a family affair. It really is. You know, it really is. I, I remember being young, and we would do a lot of prescribed burning on the weekends, which still happens. At the, and at that time, everyone would be at the district office. I don't care if you answered phones, yeah. dug trail – Mark Timber, you got and the Timber guys, they got to drag the torches. All the fire people, we never got a torch. I was hauling fuel and putting out spots. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what we did. Yep. So in order to get everybody out there and participating, well, you, you're not going to go out there and, and pick up spots on a Saturday if it's not your job. Yeah. So they're just dragging torches through. You know, we'd ask, you know, could you shorten the strips up? Can you make the strips a little skinnier? We're catching a lot of heat. They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, we'll – uh you know, they would always pour it on. Oh, yeah, They'd totally, man. Just, just pumped to be out there. Yeah, no. 
was telling somebody the other day, even when I first started, like I feel like the militia was so much more involved back then. You know, I don't, I don't know if the other programs were just getting too busy, but I mean, when there was a fire, it's like everyone, all hands on deck, everyone put whatever they're doing down. Everyone had a fire bag in their truck, and they would head. You know, and I remember being on the fire, just like going through some smoke and running, like you said, running some timber, folks. The one of the weeds gals was there, and I was just like, "Holy cow, man! It's great to see you." It's like this cool community fire. You know, everyone from Whitehall just showed up. Oh yeah, I mean, and there was there were some people there who. I can I can go I can I can list names for days, who stopped participating later in their career, because fire management started to put a, a few requirements on it. Oh, right, you had to get some qualifications in order to do it. Yeah, and a lot of those folks, well, they had a day job, right? Yeah, they had to go get their silviculture certification. Yeah. They don't have to take care of theirs. They don't have time to take care of their stuff, and then keep up with all the quals. And training needed to go out on the weekends anymore. So you're right. We lost a lot of those people who were very comfortable around fire. I learned so you learned so much on those burns. Yeah. You learn that the fire behavior that you see on a wildfire maybe isn't so bad. Yeah. Maybe it's still manageable at six, eight feet. Yeah. Flame length, right? And you learn that you learn that comfort level by holding on a fire line. Yeah. On a prescribed fire line, right? Because you're like, no one's running. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're getting some pretty good intensity. We're getting spotting, yeah. right? We're getting snags falling, and people are still here. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's calm, especially the people who have been in it. Like, cause my first and second year burning, like, that was huge, like, cramming knowledge, and especially before the fire season, you know? So it was like, oh, man, all right. Yeah, we're, this is all right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And we would, my experience the first, the my first experience, I would haul. I was I was strong enough to haul two jerry cans up the hill. Oh, and so that's what all I did. I just hauled fuel around, you know, thinking, well, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I come home yeah. smelling like gas. Shoulders just pumped. Yeah. <laughs> two jerry cans. That's, that's a lot of weight. I didn't get to put any. The first, the first, the first time I ever lit, I had two uh, drip torches, and I set one down on a stump. And kept going, you know. I'd make a strip and come back, and well, on one of those strips, I, I left it, oh, yeah. somewhere, right? And so, I get down three or four strips, and I'm like, I'm out of fuel. I'm like, oh. And as soon as I realize I've left that torch, I hear this, boom, up on the hill. Oh no! <laughs> and I look up and I see it. It's sitting <laughs> on this stuff, and it's fully engulfed in flame. You know? Yeah. I was probably. It, I was I was old enough that no one, you know, no one said you owe us for that, you know, for that drip torch. But that's how you get a nickname, right? Yeah. I mean, that's oh, yeah. exactly how you get a nickname, and you got to own it. You deserve it. I still have this little pile of aluminum slag in my office from it melting down to nothing. Yeah, that's good memory though, man. Good you stuff, know? you know. Yeah. It, it's it, the really fun stuff. Really fun. I miss it now. I don't get to do that stuff. I don't get to participate in burns very much at all anymore. Uh, yeah. But I, that's one thing I really miss is that those burn windows and going to burn. Yep. Yeah. A lot oh, of fun. Yeah. And it's, yeah. There's so much fun. And like a reunion a lot of times, even still, you know, like some folks that you don't see as much and on the big burns where you get to bring in like, like, you know, I don't see the jumpers much anymore since I was a jumper and I just don't come this way and no reason to go to the jump base anymore. But on a burn, you know, they come down and help the bitterroot out, you know, I get to see a handful of my old buddies. It's like, hey, man. And, you know, so it's so fun. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yep. Man, yeah, it's a, it's a good community, man. I'm so so fortunate to be a part of it. Yep. And the foundation, which you know, kind of full so full circle on the fundraisers we're talking about, you know, is a is a big way to give back. You know. 
Absolutely. You know, we got, there's two, there's two big events that come up in April. We do them back to back. Uh, the, the one, the first one near and dear to me, we started it back about this. Well, this is the eighth annual putt and pull. Little known fact, it was actually the idea was T-Bros, Tyler Brothers. Oh, really? It was his idea. And he came to me and asked if I wanted to get a team for this putting pole. He said, you got people that can shoot and shoot trap and people who can golf. This is the thing. You know, this is, this is our fundraiser. That's what we do, the putt and the pole. And within uh, two years, I was the IC of the planning team. And this is our eighth annual now. And it just a great, this is great. This, so this year we're doing, like I said, on April 20, 420. So we got to get plenty of participation here in the city of Missoula. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Well, on the way here, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I didn't catch it until on the way here. I was like, oh. So, yeah, so. Special date. I open up, you know, the, we, we can only take the, the guys over at University of Montana Golf. That's that's our golf events, our golf venue. The first year, first two years, we were out at King Ranch in Frenchtown. Oh wow! And we moved, not because they were they didn't treat us good out there, but we we could put more teams at the university. So I can put twenty teams in the golf, and that's it. Then you're if I if you're the twenty first team to register, you're on the wait list. Oh yeah! And no one's canceling. No, right? so you can you know the wait list and ten cents get you a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so th- this year. Or last year we had nine teams on the wait list, on the outside looking in. Yeah, nothing I can do for them. You know, they still come to the event because it's a fundraiser. Yeah, but you're not golfing with your with your bros, your sisters, right? So, so this year I announce, um, and I so I got nine captains last year calling me every day. Hey, you got any cancellations? No, 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 no. cancellations. Sorry, you know. Yeah. So this year I announce it on Sunday. Two Sundays ago, by Monday morning, I got twenty teams. Oh man! In uh, twenty four hours, I'm full. Yeah. And that you know that that is that is so typical of Missoula, Western Montana. You know the 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 Wildland Firefighter Foundation supports probably three dozen local events. It's their largest, aside from corporate donations that they're getting. They're doing a great job down there, Burke. Yeah, Vicky, the the entire staff down there because it's a small army. It down, is. it really is. Um, and the board, uh, the, which is also a small army, um, not many people. They support about three dozen events nationally. And so, aside from the corporate donations, which are doing great, Coors, shout out to Pete Coors, say, yeah. right? Thank I mean, you. come on, I got a funny story about that too, but yeah. So aside from all the donations, the number one fundraiser for the foundation every year are these local efforts, right? Yeah. If it weren't for the local efforts, there's a lot of firefighters, families don't get the support. I mean, it's a lot of support. It's a tremendous amount of support. Millions of dollars go out the door uh, in the last 10 years helping families of our fallen period. It's a fantastic foundation uh, something yeah. like 87 percent of what they bring in goes out which is unheard of that's right yeah that's a lot it's unbelievable so so we we've done oh, just at the putt and pull we have netted about three hundred thirty thousand dollars in the last eight years Jeez. and our average donation is about forty dollars yeah 
And if it weren't for the support of the community, and if it weren't not only the financial support from the wildland firefighter community, from dispatchers, researchers, right, our interagency partners, yeah. if it weren't if it weren't for their donations, and for the handful of people that plan all this to make it happen, people like Laura Ward, Dave Crum, Jim Ward. I could go on and on. Clint Mendenhall yep. came on board this year doing our raffle sales. Yeah. Without those people, we raised zero. Right? Someone yeah. someone's got to have someone's got to be there to run that and to make it happen. And so on on 420, if you if you can't get a team, if you you can go to missoulaputtonpull.org. It's our new site. Oh yeah. It's yeah, we have a we have a we have a great webmaster this year. Uh, Sue Savage, it, she's a jeweler in town, a local jeweler. She's volunteering her time to set up all of our social media webpage, oh, MissoulaPuddingPole.org. It looks better than ever. Thank right? you, Sue. That's awesome. Oh, it's unbelievable. Man. She's doing such a good job for us. Yeah. Um, you can go there to, to – I've still got trap teams that can register. You can get on my golf wait list. You can get on there, right? Yeah, yeah. But you, we can take as many trap teams to shoot as you want. You don't have to do both events. Right, so get yeah. five people to shoot trap. Cost three hundred dollars to shoot trap, three hundred to play golf, and all that stuff runs all day on Saturday. Then we come together about six o'clock at uh, Missoula Brewing, Highlander Brewing, yeah. out on North Reserve, two hundred International Drive, Saturday four twenty. Come on out there. There'll be hundreds yeah. of wildland firefighters and their family members. Uh, and, not, and all the, more. It, it, I mean, we will fill that place up. <laughs> yeah. And it, I tell you what, if you're, if you're listening to my voice right now and you're not a wildland firefighter, you don't support one or you don't have to, to come out and show your support. You don't have to be a family member or a boots on the ground firefighter or a dispatcher. You just come out and show your support. Yeah. So I was going to say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Like just, yeah. If you just want a social event in you're just curious about it. Come out, you know, like any, you know, if you have an interest in shooting trap and have a gun and you have a few friends, like, like you said, traps open and what a great time. What a great, great way to start your morning off, you know, it's like with trap. Absolutely. That's, and I'll, and I'll go, I'll go a little further too this year. And this is what Sue Savage, um, she's going to kill me cause I've forgotten the name of her, the, of the, her jewelry design uh, company. Um, you can go on a website, it's on there, but we are, we've put out the, the call to all artisans. And we have several in the Missoula community who are making us everything from hatchets to paintings, oh, metalwork, woodwork, you name it. Local artisans donating because, as everybody knows, when you go to one of these fundraisers, you're looking for that one of a kind thing. Yep, totally. And we have so many artisans now signed up. Rwanda knives. We got people that make one of a kind items, and. Uh, I, we have an artist in residence. I like to say Betsy Beebe, yeah. uh, out in Vermont. Uh, she, I'm trying to talk her into another painting this year. Dan Poole, oh, yeah. Poole Designs. I mean, the list goes on and on. But if you want to come out and find some local artwork that is made for the right reasons, and come out and put a little dent in that wall of yours for a great cause, you got to come out on 420. Yeah, totally. And if, especially if it's a piece of artwork that you can hang on your wall, because a lot of the, we have, I mean, in the wildland world, like uh, one that comes to my brain is like Jessica Shuey. She's, I'm not sure where she's out of. I just kind of stumbled on her, you know, through the Instagram world. And she has like fire paintings. There's like a lookout tower she did. It's like, man, it's really good art. And then plus, like, you know, it's got a story behind it, you know, and 
I feel like, you know, Terry Redland's a great artist who's got like those outdoor, you know, pheasant and like kind of Midwest scenes that are really, really cool. And those kind of speak to me. But otherwise, like, I don't know, I'm not much of an art guy. But if you said like it's attached to something like this, though. Yeah. And if, so if you're an artist and you're listening to this, you go to our MissoulaPuttonPole.org and you can sign up there and we can put something in there from your some, one of your creations into our live or silent auction. And that money's going to go directly to help the families of our fallen. So yeah. if you're within the sound of my voice, you get to that website and sign that up and, and, and we'll invite you to our party. I'm going to put that microphone in front. If you want it, you can talk about exactly what you've created and it's just, it'll, it'll warm your heart. I guarantee yeah. it. Man, that event is unreal. Like I, I'd been in the past, but it was more like in passing, you know, it, or maybe it's a different event. Remember when you were selling also tickets for Shoot for the Loot? Was that a punt and pull event too? Well, so I think I got started by Nate Alexander. Yeah. Great, good friend of mine. Nate is a fantastic, I mean, what a, he, he he's put on the Shoot for Loot now for probably the last five years. And Nate used to live in Dillon. Yeah. That's all and, I know. Yeah. And so Nate would put on a small banquet and a shoot. So you'd have to shoot for loot. It was a mile shot, right? So there's all these other shooting events or shooting events that the kids can plink their 22s. I can take my, you know, I, I shot with an six. People have six, five Creedmoors. He's, you know, amazing long range shots. Yeah. But his, his draw for the shoot for loot was a mile shot, cold barrel. Take your, you know, do your, get your dope, get, get your <laughs> scope going, yeah. judge the wind, what have you. Um, and so we, we used to, he, when he was living in Dillon, he did it at the Dillon shooting range cause they had the, they had a facility. You could get a mile shot. Oh yeah. Right? So he doesn't li- he's, he, he still has a home there in Dillon, but he's now the helicopter operations specialist for region two. Oh. At least the last time I heard he's the Haas. It's the greatest nickname in the business. It he's Haas, you he's know? Haas. Yeah. So he, what he does now is is for the, the shoot for loot, and you can find it online. You can just Google shoot for loot. You'll find it soon enough. Um, but he, he puts the call out to hella bases around the country to go out to their, uh, their shooting area and host their own shoot for loot. Oh, cool. So he, on, that, on that site, you can buy raffle tickets. Usually has a, you know, some Cerakoted reach out and touch you a long range rifle it's beautiful just some beautiful custom <laughs> you know i saw one one year is twelve thousand dollar gun and you know came with a beautiful case and i i didn't win it but let's say i, I bought a few tickets yeah for that thing he, he nate has the connections in the gun world they're the most beautiful guns you could possibly imagine and you know it's funny in golf when you think about prizes you know, you get someone who wins a long drive. The prize shouldn't be a driver because they got a driver they like. True. Right? Good point, yeah. But when the shoot for loot comes around, you get that ticket because the gun you're going to win with that thing is one of a kind, uh, beautiful firearm yeah. that'll be a great optic, you know, great case. Just one of those things you could pass down through the generations in your family. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I was talking to my dad about this for a while. Cause like, you know, older, especially older shotguns seems like have beautiful engravings on them. You're know, like, there's a gold trigger. Is that Browning gold trigger? Yeah. I can't remember. My brother's got one, a beautiful gun. You know, it's like, man, it, 
like that is kind of cool to pass that stuff down. So like you like you said with something like that, it's it's kind of a piece of artwork and it's one of a kind. And it's one of a kind. One of a, and there's, there's a story there's another that comes one like it. There's no. another one like it. And yeah, your great grandchildren be like, "Yeah, great grandpa bought one this at this shooting contest a mile out, you know. That's that's a great story." So, one of the, it, there's a there's a great story that came out of the shoot for loot one year. We I I go into his banquet and he didn't need my help to do to do anything. All I could, all I had to do was go enjoy the event, which oh, yeah. is great. Right, I don't mind emceeing. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I loved. I'll raise money for the foundation till the day they put me in the earth. Right, yeah. it's that good of an organization. Oh, Help me out. Um, but I get to go and just enjoy the event, right? So I walk yeah. in, and I was too cheap to buy to get four four bros to go get a table, yeah. like a thousand dollars for a table. And I to myself, I'm saying, hey, I'm as generous as the next guy. But a thousand dollars for the table. Mm-hmm. Well, I walk in there, and every table has a rifle and pistols all around the tables, and that's for the people who have purchased the table. Really? Right. Oh, so he's got man. fifteen tables sold. He's raised fifteen thousand, and everybody there, everybody, with maybe exception of one person, I won't, I won't give you the name of, they all donated those pistols right back to the fundraiser. Yeah. And we auctioned off pistols and rifles. For probably three hours, he probably put sixty, seventy thousand dollars back into the foundation that night. Oh, it's huge! So mad props yeah. to Nate Alexander and all the people who showed up that first night and took those gifts and put them right back into the pot. Yeah, that's amazing. And and to folks listening who don't really know much about it, like you're like, oh, seventy thousand. That's that's a lot of money. And it's like it is, but also that, that might be going to a family who just lost their breadwinner, you know, to a fire, you know, wh- whoever, you know, person, you know, wildland firefighter man or female that you know lost their life on a fire that could have been the sole income for a family you know so it's like yeah that's money goes a long way for a family like that you You know know, and i'll say i'll I'll, I'll, that's that's exactly right you know people normally think like you know if there's a fatality or a serious injury well the maybe the family only gets support for a little bit i mean there's families who have who are on who are who have a budget given sent to them monthly from the foundation because their breadwinner is no longer around. Yeah. Right. There's, there's kids trying to, trying to make their way, go to college, uh, as if that breadwinner were still there. The foundation keeps in touch with those families as we do as family liaisons and hospital liaisons. We keep track of those families all the time. I just went, I just visited, uh, Sheldon and Betsy Beebe in Bellows Falls, Vermont, last year. Oh, Took really? my family up there. We visited them. Went out to the uh, maple syrup farm out there. And w- that's what we do. Yeah, that means so it's, much, man. It's a family. It's a family affair. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah, totally. Because it's not like, especially when, you know, the Beebe's lost their son, you know, to a wildland fire. And it's not like it's, uh, I don't know, it feels like they... I don't know. I still have a connection, I guess. You know, their son had with Wildland Fire, you know, like Justin had. So yep. it's really important. You they're know, our family. Go out there. Yeah, they're, they're our family. family. Yeah, for life. For right? life. Yeah, all of us, you know, in the, in the wildland world, which is super cool. Yeah. Man, the Wildland Fire uh, Firefighter Foundation helped me out a ton when I had my tumor because I was, you know, like last I did m- not know this. Oh, I didn't know? Oh, I thought I told you last time. Yeah, so I had a, a really rare tumor on my kidney, uh, left kidney on my embedded in my adrenal gland. It's called a pheochromocytoma. And I found out later, because, like, after rookie training, uh, spoke to rookie training in 2013, you know, you got, like, that 
those nerves that constantly stay with you get six weeks of hard training, you know, where they're stressing you out to see how you perform under stress and make sure that you make the right decisions when you're under canopy or, or lack of canopy, you know, in a bad situation. So they keep you stressed out. So that whole next year, I was like, man, I feel like I couldn't shake it. You know, like I didn't have that like relaxed, like I made it feeling. And then 15 kind of felt the same. I was kind of managing it better. I kind of got used to it. And then my Crohn's started getting really bad. And that's why I had to leave smoke jumping. And uh, so, and then something else. Oh, and then I, in 2019 or 2020, I can't remember exactly, maybe 2020, I had to go into the emergency room because my Crohn's just going bananas. And I was on, I was on a bunch of medication. Nothing was touching it. So they did an uh, ab- abdominal scan of me to make sure nothing, there was no blockages. And thank the Lord that this ra- uh, rad tech or, or uh, radiologist was in there. I think it was a doctor who spotted it or maybe the rad tech. I'm not sure. Whoever did. I never got to thank him, but they spotted the, the tumor. And I had no idea. And then my GI doc was like, hey, we got something we got to address here. And I had no idea. you know. And then I had to take a bunch of tests. And they kind of figured out what it was before they told me. And then sure enough, it was a pheochromocytoma. And what happens is it it's in your adrenals. So it causes that, that gland to go off, which is your fight or flight response is what that gland controls. So like your cortisol and your uh, aldosterone. So like out of nowhere, we could be talking right now. And all of a sudden, like I'd almost get like a thousand yard stare because it'd be like, I'd, it, it'd ping like, like a bear was just like in the room with us. And I just kind of like be staring because I could, I knew it was coming. So I kind of stare off and try to fight it and then like come back to the conversation. Oh, it was weird, man. And since it's so hard to get out that Mayo Clinic was the only hospital in the whole U.S. that has the expertise to handle something like that. So, like, my medical bill here, you know, like, I think we were, like, 10, 15,000, I think they were talking for the full procedure, to, like, 40,000 out of pocket to go to Mayo Clinic. It's like, holy cow. So, yeah, the foundation helped me out a ton on that. And then, the you know, GoFundMe, where a bunch of the, yeah. you know, wildland firefighter community helped out on that one. And, and yeah, it's crazy, but so I'm definitely in their debt, and I would be, you know, I'd be already wanting to support them, but you know, this gives me a little more reason, you know, because they definitely saved my life. You and your know? prognosis is good. Prognosis is good. Yeah, I came back. They, you know, they, uh, I did get a genetic test, and then they biopsied it because they want to make sure also it wasn't cancerous, because it could be cancerous and a pheochromocytoma, which mm-hmm. luckily mine wasn't. And then you could have genetic, uh, uh, like a mutation. So. Uh, it could come back, but luckily I didn't have the mutation. But I still have to get tested yearly to make sure it doesn't come back. So wow, yeah. So no, I did not that, know that, Mister Bear. Yeah, so I, yeah, I thought I'm I glad to you. see you came through on the other side. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm alive. But yeah, I was man. I had that thing for a while. They they thought, man, like almost it was a little bigger than a cherry. I think it ended up almost being somewhere between a cherry and a kiwi size. Right. And uh, so it was growing pretty fast. And they said within the next few years, I'd either have a heart attack or a stroke. And it would, Pretty much do me in. It's Unreal. Like, Holy cow. Yeah. So Oof. a friend of mine had a tumor in his head. Oh yeah. And they took the tumor out, and he kept it. He did on his mantle. Oh, I asked to keep it. They wouldn't let me because <laughs> they had to do a bunch of research on mine, I guess. But I wanted it. I was like, yeah, it's mine. I grew it. Well, you know, if it's so rare that they want to keep it for research, you're a lucky fella. Yeah, yeah, really lucky. Yeah, like when I I had a video call because during COVID, so I had a video call with the uh, with a team of docs, and they're like. Um, so we got you scheduled, like they already had me scheduled and they're like, we weren't really going to give you an option to go anywhere else. Cause, uh, you wouldn't survive it. Mm-hmm. It was like the surgery, you know, mm-hmm. and oh, the team they had, was crazy. Just a giant team. Cause they had a whole team of, uh, anesthesiology team. I'm probably wrecking that, but a whole team of them. Cause they had to like help oh, yeah. keep me all your systems. Yeah. 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 And monitor while they're going Absolutely. in to cut it. Cause it would start to react and go bananas. And then they'd have to like tell the surgeon to, to back off and then they'd have to administer 
whatever to sedate me a little more and calm the thing down and then they go back in it was like inches it took four hours to get it out wow yeah nuts well you know it's very interesting because you mentioned that the foundation helped you out yeah and really fast everybody on my team that's the thing is you know for me if i get if i get hurt injured or killed on a wildland fire response or outside of one yeah the foundation doesn't care if it's in duty you know in line of duty not in the line of duty they don't care you're part of the family right and the thing that i will say is that everybody who helps me on in this event and everybody who because we got another event to talk about oh yeah everybody who starts their own event and works with these and works in these things and volunteers to do this all of them have been involved in some kind of either uh an injury a fatality a medical emergency a suicide right yeah. they have all been a part of it's, it's affected their life and that one of the best ways to recover is to give back yeah right? truly truly i mean it's fantastic it's it's good for your own brain chemistry right yeah to connect with people we we get we are so connected during a fire season and then we get disconnected I was going to bring that up, yeah. And that's what these events are for me. You know, what I get the most out of the putt and pull and the shoot for loot and the the, the, we'll talk about the Flathead WFF uh, banquet that they they do, I get to connect with everybody every year. The people that I would normally normally connect with during some stressful situation of a, a wildland fire in Northern California, I get to connect with them in April. Yeah, and we're all having fun, yucking it up, right? Playing golf, shooting things, what have you, and making money. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's something that recharges my batteries every year. I get excited about it every year. Uh, it just it really gives me. I get so much. I get more out of this than uh, than anybody. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you because close second at least because the same. And I was gonna bring that up too about like. You know, uh, for folks who maybe just haven't been yet or, you know, like just yeah, maybe are having trouble getting out of the house. Because that's like like you said, most people in the wildland fire a thousand miles an hour to nothing. You know, typically it's a snow or rain event that shuts everything down. And then like a week later, you're done. You you're know? done. Yeah. And then your whole family and friends are gone. And for our seasonals, they don't have the job anymore. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, yeah. A seasonal firefighter, when you're 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 laid off, you are not a federal employee or a state employee anymore. You're not a contractor anymore. Yeah. All that you go from, like uh, you just said, 90 miles an hour to zero. Yep. Right. And to make that connection back to the home, back to home is tough. It is man. And, and more busy than you know what to do with. You don't have time to think. You don't really have time to even like, you know, uh, process like what's going on a lot of times with the fire world, especially, uh, you know, if you're a new guy or on a hotshot crew or something, you yeah. know, and use new guys, unisex. <laughs> right. But yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, man. And, and then all of a sudden, like you, like you said, all of a sudden you're cut loose and you got a truck full of your stuff. <laughs> right. You, you know, and you, you know, and my wife, bless her heart. I mean, I, I'm an operations section chief. I spend my entire summer briefing and directing people all day long, yeah. taking their input, making a decision and moving pieces around the board. Well, I don't do that at home. I don't need to do that at home, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's I when I make a conscious decision when I come home from any incident and when the summer is over to make sure that I am not just directing my wife. 
Yeah. And my and my friends on what we're doing and oh. what they need to be doing right now. And that's a conscious effort to turn that off. Yeah. I was going to say I got that switch. And that's it's funny cuz I think a lot of us do have it, you know, like um I I don't you know, I don't, I don't like act the, the you know the the barrel-chested leader, you know, all the time, but then when it calls for it or if something like bad's about to happen, you, you know, like do it. Yeah, especially safety risk. Man, it's yeah, it's on. You know, I'll yeah. take I'll take I'll take uh, front and center command. You know, no problem. Sure, but in, yeah. in, if there's not need, I can just I can just hang back and especially in training, you know, like let someone else kind of take the reins. But yeah, yeah, things are getting a little scary. And you can get a little owly when you don't have that adrenaline rush anymore. Yeah, true. right. You can get pretty owly. You can say things that that you you can be you can be defensive. You can be aggravated when you go home yeah. and all that stuff. You're 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 your husband, your wife, your partner, your kids—they can sense all that. Yeah, and all they want is is you back. They yeah. want you to be back. Totally, that's and hard. So it is a very hard transition. Yeah, it does it's it's not? And and I will, but I will say this too: is is just because that's happening to you doesn't mean that you're broken. That's a natural reaction to you taking charge, being a leader, right, and being having to turn yourself on to be at your best 16, 18 hours a day, yeah. you know, for some people now getting a thousand, 1500 hours of overtime a year yeah. and then having to retool your, your whole thought process when you go home and your family's doing the same thing. Yeah. Your family and your loved ones at home, they're doing the same thing. They are finding a way to live while you're gone. And then you reinsert yourself into that equation. Yeah how could it go well all the time right so it's not that anyone's broken it's just the, that's those are human dynamics at play and we just got to realize those things yeah. mentor those young folks through that right and connect with people yeah if, if anyone within the sound of my voice got nothing to do today pick up the phone and call a sis or a bro that you know may be having a hard time with this transition you know who they are yeah. right you know who they are Pick up the phone. You can change someone's brain chemistry immediately by just reaching out and connecting. Yeah, right. Man. Like you said, you know who they are because it's like, especially right off the top of the head, as soon as you said that, I mean, we all can think of like, who haven't I heard from in a minute? Oh, man. You know, whoever like you, you're working with this summer, like, what are, what are they doing? You know, I haven't talked to them since, you know, we got laid off or whatever, or maybe the, the tea party, you know, the, the termination party. So it's yep. like, yeah, I might want to reach out and see how they're doing. So April 20th down here, you, connect, you can connect in Missoula. If you are up in the Flathead Valley, up in northwest Montana, the Saturday before on 413, Justin Caber, who is the incident commander of that uh, that fundraiser up there, great guy, un- an unbelievable guy. They are knocking it out of the park. I told you we raise you know sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year. If they didn't if they didn't top a hundred thousand last year, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They have an amazing. It's unbelievable. They took a they took the the banquet style from Nate Alexander, uh, and they've got such amazing community buy-in uh, companies, local companies in the Flathead area. They I don't know what his secret sauce is. He and Manny Mendoza. I could go on and on. Um, Lincoln Shoot. I can like I say I can I can talk for a long time about what those guys have done up there. But they have such community buy-in. You walk in there, there's real estate agents, doctors, uh, gunsmiths. I mean, it's unbelievable. And 
they have so many huge prizes. It's crazy. Yeah, they got an amazing auctioneer. Uh, who I can I just I like I say I can go on and on. They're, I think they're doing another UTV this year Jeez. as a giveaway, and it's it's they they're knocking it out of the park. So you they can are. go if you just search uh, Flathead Wildland Firefighter Banquet, you'll find it real quick. It's a ticketed event. Uh, they do everything up there at the Flathead County Fairgrounds, oh, nice. and again, it's just a fantastic place to connect. Man, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are crushing it. You know, I'm friends with them on Instagram, and I didn't really know that there was a Flathead chapter until about a year ago. And then, I mean, I don't know how long they've been going, but I mean, it seems like they're doing an event all the time. You yeah. know, I'll be on, I'll be on the socials. I'm like, oh shoot, you know, I'll share. Yeah. And shout out to Jacob and Jenny Jurassic, who kind of got the ball rolling back in the day. Oh really? Uh, and now Caber and the crew. I mean, they're just taking it to new heights. But it all started with uh, Jacob and Jenny Jurassic up in Kalispell. Oh, very cool. Having a little meeting. Back in the, back in the day, there was a – it was called the Wildfire Skills Challenge uh, in Libby. They oh, held yeah. it up there, and it was just a crew competition. Yeah. And they turned that evolved into a fundraiser. And over time, some fundraisers, you know, they, they maintain. They have energy to maintain. Yeah. And some don't. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're, they're, I, they they try to invigorate that one again. They may they may well do it again. There yeah. is there is nothing harder than to try to keep the energy going year on year. Yeah, totally. Our team changes slightly every year. Yeah, a couple people say I'm tapping out for a couple of years. I just want to go enjoy my spring. Right, right? Uh, outside of this, but they recruit someone to fill in. Yeah, like I got whoever you know yep. coming in. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, the uh, I was, I was gonna say something. And my brain came in a couple different ways because I was thinking about the the flathead. Um, man, but yeah, like like you said, the fundraiser thing. You know, and you can't ever do enough. And and having a flathead chapter is it? Is there other chapters of the Wildland Firefighter Foundation? Do you know? Those are the ones I'm aware of in Montana. Yeah, yeah but there's if you go on to the, the the if you're if you're not in Western Montana, you can go to the Wildland Fire. Fighter Foundation. It's wffoundation.org, and you go to their events page. You'll find dozens of them all around the country. It doesn't yeah. really matter which western state you live in, and some even some midwestern and eastern states they've got them. Oh, really? Oh, very cool. You go to their events page, and you'll see. There's you can participate all over the country, and if you're if you're again an artisan or a business that benefits from the wildland fire economy, yeah. It's time to step up. Yeah. It's time to give back. You're going to feel great about it. I can tell you right now with 100% certainty that 87% of that money that you give is going right into mom and dad's pocket, into the spouse's pocket, and to support those kids and people like you and me. Yeah. Right? All of it. It's going. So All of it. Yeah. can't say enough. No, I can't. Yeah, it's uh, so great. And one that I remember what it was I was going to say earlier is how last year, you know, I was going to talk to Burke in uh, Heat Burke. Yeah. Burke Miner? Burke, Burke Miner. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, remember I was going to interview him at the putting pole and he yeah. about killed himself, you know, an accident? <laughs> like, he about impaled himself with a pipe? I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I saw the pictures. He should be there again. You going to have the chance to be there on the night of the event, maybe dragging this trailer? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. We'll see what we can do for you. I've got, we got our, we meet bi weekly to discuss what we're going to do. Oh, we'll right. stay in touch. Maybe yeah. we can have 
a little more of a instead of just one person being interviewed maybe you got a little round robin event That'd going on yeah i'll be in for that for sure yeah that's what i was kind of trying to get last year but I, yeah that's a darn good idea yeah mr oh, barrett appreciate you yeah well yeah. I, i'll definitely bring it by and and uh you know and just a little bit more about the highlander uh brewery event highlander beer um man like incredible like you said 100 people maybe more and packed inside and out like i I remember, like, I showed up super early just to get a spot for this, you know, to, to be able to park this. And then I went and grabbed some food with the wife. And then we came back just to socialize. And, uh, man, incredible. I and mean, people I hadn't seen in years, you know, that had been in fire and we just went separate ways. And, oh, it's amazing. And I got, I got, I got two, two real good stories here on something you might see at our fundraiser. So the first year we gave away a Harley Davidson. And uh, this Harley belonged to a, a local legend here in uh, Missoula, in Missoula. His name was John Fiddler. And John was a Missoula Rural Fire Department Battalion Chief. And he was the first member of the 52 Club. So that's the Wildland Firefighters' third largest source of funding is the 52 Club. You can sign up on their website and you can choose to give a, a, a buck a week of your money to support, right? Yeah. And it's called the 52 Club. And John Fiddler was the original 52 Club member, and he had a cherry uh, custom paint job, Harley-Davidson motorcycle that he babied, right? And very, just, a, just a few weeks or months after he retired, he died oh. and never got to enjoy that bike. Yeah, Always going to save it, right? I'm saving it for retirement. Yeah, You can draw whatever lesson you want from that one. I uh, make sure to enjoy my time. Uh, every day, every day. So, uh, we had a great friend of his, uh, donated the bike to us in our first year and it helped us. It put us really over the top, put us really on the map as far as a fundraiser goes. And, um, so now fast forward about, well, about five years, maybe six during the pandemic, we've got a camper that we're raffling off beautiful camper. And the person who donated the Harley Jill Kenyon won the camper. Really? I mean, you talk about karma. Yeah. And then, so, second story I'd say, and I won't, I don't need to drop names on this one just because I'd I'd just rather not, I don't think the family would maybe want this story out particularly. But a few years ago, one of the members of our Forest Service family, they had a daughter and she had cancer. She was diagnosed with cancer at a very young age and had to go to Spokane for months right to 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 get to get to the point where she could come back and and start to be a normal kid again and so the lot of gofundme i don't know if the wildland firefighter foundation contributed i don't know but suffice to say a lot of people contributed to uh her success story she's now doing she's doing great great and last year she won the e-bike Really? She was right there when I pulled the name out. I looked at it, and I recognized the name immediately, and I could hardly even speak. Oh, man. And she's, stand, she's sitting right there, this young girl who's been through hell on earth, right? Yeah. And come out shining like a diamond, and she won this big e-bike. Oh, man. I, it's, it's so just, cool. It's amazing how uh, some things just come full circle. Yeah, man. That's uh, you know, like the old saying, you get what you give, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh it applies a lot, especially to this event and all these events that we're talking about and then um, reaching out to folks. And that's where, like, like you kind of brought up earlier about, like, being social. Like, me too. Like, it's kind of like this 
podcast is, is for awareness. You know, like these topics that we're covering, I think are super important. That's one of the bigger motivations of why I got this going, you know, and an excuse to come hang out with like cool people like you. And, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, just getting a, it kind of got derailed on, derailed myself on that one, but, uh, you know, just getting to share some good stories and helping out, you know, and like, so I, I get that back and that's what, I guess that's where I was going full circle with this is that, you know, like going to the Highlander beer event or going to Putt and Pole, Fire and Ice, it's just like, man, I just get energy from being around folks. It makes you feel good, you know, like being able to engage in such a positive event, you know. Come on in. It's a family affair. You're going to, you'll feel it right away. And it's just, uh, it's a very rewarding experience, any one of these fundraisers. Yeah. And all for a fantastic cause. Yeah, rewarding. Yeah. I guess that was a good way to sum up what I was looping around. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I uh, appreciate that, CG. I got one more question for you. I know, I know we're kind of getting close to time. We're about, 52 minutes in all right so uh, i've been watching making sure i don't want to keep you too long and you know i got you know family at home waiting on me anyways but uh i heard rumor a long time ago that um to help you with your public speaking you did some stand-up comedy for a little bit did we talk about this before i did you know i did an open mic here in missoula yeah and i had a a stutter when i was a kid and i still have you can kind of hear it sometimes i'll i'll start to stutter especially now when i'm thinking about it all right Because you have to be very intentional. There's there's many different strategies you can take to stop stuttering, right? Yeah. My dad had a stutter. Oh, really? And all it would take for dad would be to hear the word. He he can he could he could see it in his mind. It just couldn't come out of his mouth. Oh, and man. so us kids, we grew up finishing dad's sentences. So he'd struggle, and we'd say, "Bicycle, bicycle." We pop it right out. Yeah. So I had, for me, for my stuttering, what the cure for it or the the therapy that helped me through was being very to enunciate. Oh, yeah. Always enunciate. And I have to think about, or at least I did when I was younger, I had to think about precisely what I would say and even practice it. I would literally practice what I would say. And when I ran the training center... I would practice my my open, how I would open up every class, uh, and I would I would practice on the way home the night before the class, on the way to the university in the morning. I would practice all the things I was going to say, literally speak them all out, not just write them down. I would I would say this is what I'm going to say to open this class, and I, I stuck with that for years and years, and just gradually, you just became a little bit better a little more loose because any of my childhood friends, they could tell you that, that he stuttered. Right. And to, to know that I'm emceeing events and being comfortable in front of a crowd took a lot of practice and a lot of support from people. Yeah. Right. So I'm a, I'm a product of the, of the same kind of support that we're looking for in these events. Someone hadn't taken the time to help me out. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I'd be a, a dramatically different person, but I'm able to communicate a little clearer, a little easier, and expand your horizons, right? Sometimes yeah. people with a speech impediment can get closed in because well, you don't feel like you can communicate well. Yeah, right? and as, yeah, and as the person, you know, uh, listening to a, someone with a speech impediment, and I'm, I mumble a little bit too, so I can kind of um, uh, rel- uh Man, I can't, even, I can't think of words today. So <laughs> I can kind of uh, um, understand where you're coming from with the You can relate. Relate. God dang, that's where I was looking for. 
I was fishing for it the whole time. I was like, it'll come. Well, I grew up prompting my dad oh, yeah. hey, to finish the sentence, right? I'm not to bring you along with me more often. Yeah. <laughs> CJ was a word. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like with me too, I'd mumble a lot. And I don't. I just didn't really speak up as a kid. And maybe a little bit of stage fright, maybe. I don't know. I didn't feel shy, but there's something. Whatever it was, I mumbled and I had to think about enunciation. Um, so I can relate a little bit, little bit to that. And then also I think... Uh, not lip service here, just my honest opinion, like walking into your class for the first time, it, you know, I'd taken like four, a lot of our classes in house, you know, or, or guard school. So then getting shipped off from little Whitehall to mm-hmm. the big city of Missoula and going to one of your classes. And then, you know, you gave this great opening speech or you give this great opening speech and like it, it brings everybody in, you know what I mean? It, it, to me, it just seemed natural. So like, yeah. it, it's, I guess it just shows that like, you know, you got to put a little work into anything to make it really, really, uh, uh, different you know good you know bring a better caliber to it i guess yeah yeah man and it shows i mean that's i guess what i'm saying is like it, the proof is in the pudding on that because like when i first walked in i was like man i was really impressed i was like that was a great speech and you know telling everybody you got their back right away and and you know with action and words you know by taking everyone's phone number now or giving everybody your phone number and you know letting me know call call anytime you yeah i mean just like this you know i was like hey man i need you anytime <laughs> yeah yeah, so yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and then also I was going to say, too, like uh, you mentioned about just uh, people helping you out to become uh, what you are now. And it's it, and that's so true, too. I think anybody who says they did something on their own is, is a liar. You know, I think any of it takes support. I've had a ton of support in this. And it's, you know, it's still it's still gaining its legs, but, you know, it's starting to do pretty good. You know, I'm starting to, like I was telling you earlier. I can't tell you how many people. I still am very anxious every time I go out on an incident. I'm now a complex safety officer. I'm a type two operations section chief, and I don't sleep a wink for probably 48 hours before I go on assignment. Really? I am very anxious about how I'm going to uh, perform. Will I, will I be up to the task every time? And this is year 32 for me. And it's funny, when I vocalize that, I do a, I do a program called Stress First Aid. And... Um, it's a, it's a way to self-reflect and to uh, help out someone you know really well. It's a very tactical approach to stress response, right? And so I just I was uh, briefing my incident management team on stress first aid. How to how do you how can you deal with stress from an incident management team perspective, especially if you're retired and you're out fishing, hiking, painting, or what have you, and all of a sudden now, you're staring at a column that's threatening a city. Right? Yeah. So how do you, how do you, how do you uh, prepare for that? How do you deal with it in the immediacy? And then how do you reconcile it all when it's over? Right. Yeah. And so I told the same thing to this, to this group. And these people have been doing this. A lot of these people on the team have forgotten more about wildfire than I'll ever know. And I said that very same thing that I get anxious 24 or 48 hours before and I don't sleep. And this longtime operations section chief who wrote the book on it, and he's there with the Twin Towers, he was there, Jeez. you know, for these major wildfire events. He admitted on that call he did the same thing, and he thought it was odd that he did that, and it was nice to have a another person who shared that anxiety. Yeah. And it allowed him to open up and to say, I may put on, I may have a facade, but I'm really faking it till I make it for the first 48 hours. I'm very concerned about how well I'm going to do here until you're 24, 48 hours in, and you start to get on cruise control and realize that I can do this, yeah. and uh, I'm going to do this. I am doing this. So it's it happens to me every time 
I go on one of these assignments every single time. That is, yeah, that's nice to hear. Cause I think that happens to a lot more of us than people want to admit. You know, it happened to me even, you know, whenever I was going on a fire, you know, smoke jumper, you know, like, especially I'd been doing it for five years and it's like, I still get in the plane. I get, you know, get in the plane after five years and it's like nerves are still hitting, especially if I'm the first one out the door. Cause then I'm taking over right away. And it's like, I've done this before. You, been you here fall before. back on your training and you fall back on those lessons you got from those folks who gave you a break, right? Yeah. Gave you that instruction, those stories. That's how you learn not only the good stuff, but people telling you the stories, how they failed yeah. and you failed and you put all that stuff away and you pass it on. That's our job is to pass it on. The only thing I want in my professional life is to make sure that when I leave that seat, whatever seat I've left over my career, there's somebody ready, willing, and able to fill in behind me. Yeah. Right? That's, that's all of our responsibility. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of people want to just like leave their legacy. Not a lot of people. I said, there's a few, very few, I think that want to leave the legacy, but don't want someone else to do better. And like, I think as good leaders, you want your person, whoever's coming up behind you, you want them to do better. Like even as a parent, it's like, I want my kids to do a lot better. And I want to think I'm a caveman by the time they're my age, you know, like, yeah, the L280 power paradox, the more power you give, the more you get back. Yeah. And that is a true statement. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And applies in life and all kinds of facets. Oh, man. Well, can't believe that word just came to me, but we're now we're in. <laughs> well, it was great talking today, yeah. Luke. I really appreciate you reaching out to me to help get the word out on these events. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I got a loud mouth, but I don't have the reach that you've got. So I really appreciate it, Luke. Well, I appreciate you and uh, those kind words too, man. I'm blushing, not what I can tell, but <laughs> thank you, CJ. I appreciate you taking the time. All right.